Thank you all so much. That's a, that's a great song. I love that song. It's a great reminder of how God feels about us even when we don't feel great about ourselves. Um, I want to tell you, I know I gave you some kind of bad news about Kevin, and we even had our in our first service, uh, um, Sharon Frank, who plays our organ and sometimes piano. She fell last week and bruised herself up pretty bad, so it's been kind of a rough week for musicians, and uh, but we're just grateful for people, and so pray for, for Sharon as well. But yesterday we had a some neat things that were going on. Our fourth and uh, fifth grade kids went over to Alabama to a place called CFAT. I messed it all up in the first service, but it's, uh, I believe it's Servants in Faith and Technology. It's a neat place, and uh, so um, uh, we took some of those kids over there. It's a really neat place of talking about, you know, getting your concept of what it is to live in another world, in another culture, and they, they train missionaries there, but our kids got to go and experience some things that's a reality in our world and kind of get their worldview kind of shaped a little bit and uh, work on some of our leaders. So very thankful for Isaiah and Taylor and um, Deanna and a lot of folks that went over there and did that yesterday. And then also um, a couple in our church, uh, Greg and Dana Feltman, had a lot of families out to their lake at Lake Jackson yesterday. That was my hard day that I had to do yesterday, riding around on a boat between... Um, lightning and thunderstorms. We had a great time there, and uh, it was a good time watching people get thrown off those tubes. I enjoyed that. Um, so we're just grateful for fun things that happen outside of Sunday morning, and want to encourage people to, to be a part of that. Um, how many of y'all know what GoFundMe is? I'm sure most of y'all do, okay? All right, you've seen that come across on... Um, they have some great stories that they send out, and I, I get—I don't know why I'm on their email, um, but I, I get them. And there was a great story this week of a, a young lady, 13 years old, and her name was Hannah Karanick. And basically, she's 13 now, and um, didn't say if she was a Christian, but I'm just kind of, this inspired me, and I want to share it with you. Basically, in the second grade, so she's 13 now, so in the second grade, I'm assuming seven or eight years old. Does that sound right when you're in the, you know, the second grade? Um, she says she has this memory of a kid in her class who was always getting teased by the other students because he wore the same clothes every day and he didn't smell great. And y'all, y'all, you know, we've all been in school where there was somebody like that as we were going to school. But it just kind of haunted her. She thought about that a lot and how she felt bad for that kid. And so now at 13 years old, she felt called to do something about that. Not only that kid, but, but kids that you know, like that. We've all experienced that at school where, you know, maybe you didn't make fun of him. She goes, God, I'm not sitting with that guy. He smells awful. And why does he wear the same clothes? I've had my own kids go, there's this kid in my class and they wear the same, you know, and you just go, man. And a lot of us feel bad about that for about three seconds till we change the radio station or, or, or get a phone call. But there's something different about feeling bad about something. There's something completely different when you say, God's calling me to do something about that. And so this 13-year-old girl... Um, decided that she was going to go back to her old, I guess she's in middle school now, 13, okay, probably 8th grade, and she went back to her elementary school where she had this bad memory of this kid getting made fun of him. She said, I want to talk to the principal, and she talked to her principal and says, I want to start a closet for kids who need things who maybe don't get them at home. Could, could I do that? And her principal was blown away and said, that's a great idea. So basically, she's um, doing these little backpacks and hygiene kits and laundry supplies 
just so kids can have, and they can come in in the office, and it's very, you know, kind of private, so nobody knows what's going on, and they say, hey, I need this, and the person lets them go in the closet and get what they need, put it in a backpack and go home, and nobody really knows what's going on, but they're being taken care of. I'm thinking a 13-year-old girl, and she says, I've had 12 foster brothers and sisters growing up, so helping kids in need is something that's always been close to my heart. But that one day in elementary school, I saw that boy being teased for wearing the same clothes every day, and it really made me feel bad. And I had noticed other students getting teased because they didn't have new shoes or, or the best school supplies or things like that. And I became inspired to start thinking of ways I could help and actually make a difference. And, uh, you know, her, her mom says, yeah, you know, she's had foster siblings, and she sees how kids gain confidence when their basic needs are met and they have a little more confidence and know that somebody cares about them. And uh, so this all came into focus. So I'm going, at seven and eight, you're thinking about this as a second grader. And I don't remember anything about the second grade. I was probably a goofball. But I'm going, how does that memory stay with you for the next five or six years? And then at 13, you go, I'm doing something about that. That's a calling. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, she's called this. So just to let you know, in the, and she's been getting funded by GoFundMe, and it's not been, they didn't say how much money, but she has been a little bit because it became overwhelming for her family because over 50 kids in, in, in her first year used that little closet in, at that school. I mean, how, how amazing is that? 50 kids' lives were changed because you knew of a need and you heard God calling you and you did something about it. It's amazing. I hope you're inspired. I mean, if nothing else you hear out of the sermon, hear that, you know. That's amazing. But it's never too late to respond to God's calling. Never. You can say, yeah, but she didn't do it for the last five years. It's never too late to respond to God's calling. You can always do something at any time. And so she did. And God calls us, as we talked about last week, in my favorite passage in the Bible. For God has, you know, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has called us in advance to do. That's what our... That's what we've been called to do. And last week we looked at the first calling of Adam and Eve and the first calling of humans. That's us. When God says, I'm going to make uh, man in my own image, humans in my own image, male and female, I'm going to make them. And they are to be my image bearers. They are made in my image and they are supposed to bear my image. So when people look at humans, they go, I see God. Do you see God when you look at people? We should. Because that's who we're really looking at. We're looking at the image of God. And that's what God says he, we are made in his image. And we, what we learned is when they were first called to take care of God's creation, Adam and Eve, they were God's image bearers. And they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. And so are we. That's part of what we're called to do. To fill the earth and subdue it. To rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And everything that crawls and every creature that moves on the ground. He said, you're supposed to subdue that and rule over that. And we've been doing a pretty good job with that. But we also learned how Adam and Eve came at some point to decide that, and also it was with the serpent, you know, Satan became this serpent. We don't know why he was a serpent, but he says, hey, you know, I know God said don't eat of that one tree, but what will really happen if you do that? Well, he did say we would die. Well, what is that? Would you, will you really die if you eat of that? Are you sure about that? Can you trust God? He just knows if you do that, you'll be like him. That's why he said don't do it. So all of a sudden there's this crisis of faith for them. Hmm, I could be like God. That's why he told me to. Do we trust the serpent or do we trust God? And the decision led to them to disobey that one rule, and they acted on it, and their eyes were opened, and they found out they were naked. Well, we were naked before, but now all of a sudden we feel something different. 
That's because sin came into the world. They also became separated from God for the first time. They had been walking every day with God, but now they've been separated because they decided to go on their own way. They decided to abandon God's plan and His purpose and His calling for something of their own. And so it led to this separation from God, this banishment from this perfect, wonderful garden, the Garden of Eden. And they had to had some other specific consequences that we read about in Genesis as well. But anyway, their calling did not seem to change. They had to leave the garden, so their environment changed. Some of their um, some of their circumstances certainly changed. But it didn't. God didn't say you're not going to care for the earth anymore. You're still going to do that. You're still going to be fruitful and multiply. You're still going to subdue the earth. You're still going to do those things. But it's going to be harder now because sin is in the picture. It's not going to be like it was. From the beginning. So today I want us to, to look at another biblical character as we're going to do in the next few weeks of and, and a calling that this biblical character had. And not only to this person, but to his family as well. Because when someone has a family and they have a calling, it involves their family, doesn't it? You eventually hear about that calling and say, This is what I heard from God, and people kind of go, Okay, you know. I don't know what you heard from God, but and if you didn't hear it, it seems very strange to you. But if you heard it, you know you heard it. And it can be a, a kind of a crossroads. So we're going to look at uh, the character Abram today. And you might say, you mean Abraham. Well, you know, before he was Abraham, he was Abram. So we're going to read a little bit of that account today. And that may be somebody you're familiar with. But actually, Abram and Abraham are the same person. But he was Abram before he was, had his name changed by God to Abraham, which was some 24 years later after he first called him. And in this first calling seems to be, or at least when Abraham or Abram responded to it, was when he was 75 years old. And it wasn't until 99 that he changed his name to Abraham and some, some things came about. But let's look at our text today and, and listen to how Abram was first called um, by God. So we're going to look at... Uh, uh, chapter um, 12 today, and I'm going to look at verses 1 through 9. I hope that will be on the screen for us. Thank you, guys. You got you on your phones or your Bibles, whatever you want to look at, but follow along if you will. So the Lord, listen to this. So the Lord had said to Abram, I don't really know what that means, had said. Was it before and he's just now responding or I'm not really sure on that. But he says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah, Moriah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent in Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. So that's kind of just the account. But again, I go back to that first part. The Lord had said, had said when? 
When did he say this? And, and we know from the chapter before this, there's kind of this genealogy of what's been going on with the people of the earth. And, and when you get to those parts in the Bible sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but I end up with my face in the Bible asleep when I'm reading genealogies because I can't pronounce the names and it just kind of rolls on and on and on. But they are important. I'm not saying they're not important, but it just kind of, kind of drags on a little bit. But it talks about Abram and his wife Sarai. And that she could not have children. It's in that genealogy. He throws it. And then we get to 12 when he's called. So he had said to Abram, I'm not sure when this happened. And I don't know when, how this, it was an audible call or whatever that, that Jesus said, hey, I mean, God said, hey, Abram, I want you to go. Did he hear this voice? It doesn't tell us. It just said he said to him and he goes, who are you, Lord? I think about Paul, uh, Saul, when he was called before he was Paul. He heard, you know, he's that bright light. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? And we know that Abram was um, uh, from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was a Chaldean and maybe even worshipped false or, or other idols of some sort. So he may have not even known that there was only one God, but he heard his voice loud and clear calling him to go. And go from your country. Go from your people. Go from your father's household. That's a lot of deep roots, isn't it? Your own country, your own household. And you've been doing this for 75 years. Can you imagine being asked? To leave at 75. That's no easy task. It involves leaving behind land, family, an inheritance possibly, a blessing, and a security, and, and some, some great promises that are being told to you that may come at some future point by a voice that maybe you've never really even heard before in your life. So when you think about that calling, but God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great and make you a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the peoples in the earth will be blessed through you, Abram. I mean, who wouldn't go, I'm, I'm all over that. If you're going to bless me, if everybody's going to be a blessing, anybody that blesses me, I'll be blessed, they'll be blessed. If they curse me, they're going to be cursed. I'm all about that. Sign me up. I would want to be a part of that. It would seem at first glance, every blessing God was calling Abraham to leave, he was going to fulfill that in a different way with a new blessing. I'm asking you to leave these things, but I'm going to bless you in, a, in an even greater way. So God's offer seems to have so much to look forward to for Abram and maybe his family. However, there is a significant cost. You've got to leave all these things. So if that was you, how would you respond? I mean, some of you, I'm, I'm going to leave right now and do that. My family's driving me crazy anyway. You know, the stuff going on in our country, you know, send me, I don't know, to wherever, you know. But we would have some thoughts about, oh, man, and then think about it, 75. You're pretty set in your ways at 75, wouldn't you think? But this is what happened. You'd be willing to, would you be willing to leave all of that familiarity, all of that that you know, and those close ties and that security? And then can you imagine explaining that to someone who had not heard that specific call. Can you imagine the conversation he had with Sarah? You heard the Lord say what? Who's the Lord? Because again, they may have worshipped some other gods in this particular time in history. Who's the Lord? Where are we going? Well, he said to a land he would show us. What does that mean? Show us when? Well, I don't know. He said he would show us. We're just supposed to go. And I'm sure she's probably scratching her head. And you're going to be a blessing to all the world. Yes, 
How are we going to be a blessing to all the world? You know I'm 65. We can kind of connect the dots. She was probably 65 when this happened, 10 years younger. You are 75. Lord knows we've been trying for a baby all these years, and we haven't had one, so how is this going to come about? Abram, can you explain that? I don't know, but God just said we need to do this. And I don't know. It doesn't tell us that they had this conversation. We don't know how Sarah really responded, but we do know how Abram responded. He says, we're going. And they got up, and they packed everything, and they started going. It says, Abram went as the Lord told him. At 75. Does that inspire you? It inspires me. At 75, you're going to go out and do this, you know? The familiar, I need something new. I don't know what it was. But Genesis, starting in chapter 12, all the way through chapter 25, 13 chapters tells us of the life of Abram and Abraham, the calling, and how all this played out. God called him to just go. Now, here's something very interesting if you think about this. Abraham would be the father of what nation? Israel, the Jewish nation, right. But do you realize he was a Gentile? The Hebrew, the Israeli nation started with a Gentile. It had to start somewhere, so it started with him. I find that fascinating when you really think about it. Somebody goes, I'm going to pick one particular person that's going to start this, this um, people that are going to be my people, that the rest of the world will see what a relationship with me is like through that relationship. It's a great honor, but it's also an unbelievable responsibility to reflect what it means to have relationship with the God of creation. And that's what God had called him to. He's not going to be a king. He is going to be a leader, but he's not going to be a king. He's not going to be somebody like David who's going to be a warrior. He's simply just going to keep going, and God's going to tell him, keep going. Nope, stay there a while, keep going. Just keep going. I'm gonna, I'll tell you when you get there. And you're eventually going to be blessed, and everybody's going to be blessed through you. How's that going to happen? Just keep going. Just keep going through your regular life, and I'll show you that. How hard that must have been. But we know along the way, a lot of us have read this. If you haven't, I challenge you to go home and read chapters 12 through 25, maybe this week, or take longer if you need to. And it'll blow you away, the crazy stuff that happens through this journey. And I'm just going to kind of go through some of those real quickly. Crazy stuff. At least twice while they're going somewhere, obviously Sarah, or Sarah as she would become later, was quite the looker, okay? Because every time they went to somewhere, he already anticipated that whoever saw her was going to want to make her their wife. So he says, don't tell them you're my husband. Tell them that, I mean, you're my wife. Tell them that you're my um, sister so they won't kill me. He, he told her that, you know, a couple times. You know, God didn't say to do that. He just did that on his own because he just knew the way the world was. But what's interesting that happened in both of those times when he lied and she lied, something started bad happening because they said, oh, we're going to make her a wife. And they would take her and, you know, take her to the king, go, look at this woman, you know, don't you want to make her part of your harem, you know? And then all of a sudden bad things would happen to the king or the leader. And God's going, what were you doing? And then the king goes, what are you doing? Why didn't you tell me he, she was your wife? Well, I knew you would probably kill me. He goes, all I know is, is you and God got something going on. Because whoever, just like he told you, and Abraham's face with the reality, I didn't have faith in what God said is that security. But he said, whoever curses you, I will curse. I'll take care of you. Why did you forget that? So twice we know that he failed on that. But also there came a time where him and his um, nephew Lot were together and there began to be some tension between their two groups. You know, they had 
I guess, workers that worked all their flocks or whatever, and there started to be some tensions about, hey, we're going you know, to graze ours over here. No, you're not. We are. And so finally he goes, look, we got to do something about this. This is not good. So you just go ahead and pick. Let's get up on the mountain. Let's look at all this land. You pick whatever you want. And Lot took the best part, and, you know, Abraham goes, okay, fine, whatever. Let's just split up. Still love you, but we've got to do something about this. So they split up. And then later Abraham had to go and rescue Lot when he made some, uh, you know, when he got into some trouble. And God reminds through this whole journey of these 13 chapters, he reminds and assures Abraham through a covenant of all the promises he has made. He keeps coming to him and goes, I haven't forgot about that. I'm going to make you a great nation. You see the stars? He came to him at night. You see the stars? Yeah. And can you imagine how bright stars were in that part of history? No unnatural light that would block out. Have you ever been that, you know, seen the lights just with no artificial light blocking that out? Can you imagine what that light is? See all those stars, Abraham? That's going to be like all your kids. What? I don't even have one yet. I know, but that's what it's going to be. He assures him over and over again. He keeps coming to him and go, haven't forgot about the covenant. Haven't forgot about the promise. You just keep going. You just keep going. And then finally, Sarah, Sarah one day decides, you know what? We don't need to wait. I know he told us we were going to have a kid, but we haven't. So I've got a great idea. I have this handmaiden, Hagar. And so why don't you take her and go have relations in the tent and we'll just have our own kid, and we'll get this thing rolling. Since God's obviously forgot her, he's on a, a bad time frame. Okay, uh, if you say so. So he goes, and they have a child, and Ishmael is born, and this turns out to be a disaster. Lots of drama-filled jealousy and chaos between the two women, as you can imagine. And God's going, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to do that. But you're not going to mess up the plan. I still love you. And I'm so-. He didn't say, oh, you're out. You're out. I'm going to get somebody new to be the new father of Israel. No, he just said, I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to bless this child, Ishmael. He's going to have a a role in the world because everybody that I create has a role and a plan. I'm not worried about that, but I'm still going to bring you all a baby. And they're like, okay, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And then God instituted this covenant of circumcision through Abraham, which is a very significant thing. I know we don't like to think about it, but it was very significant. And then the Lord gives Abraham and Sarah a specific time when she is, I think, 89 and he is 99, saying, hey, this time next year, she's going to have a son. And they're going, what? Finally? Do y'all realize that's been 25 years? 25 years, and now at the 24th year, you're telling us it's going to happen next year. And he gives them a specific time. And Sarah laughs. And God goes, why did Sarah, your wife, laugh? And she goes, I didn't in the background. I didn't laugh. And it's stupid to lie, but lie to God. I mean, come on. That's just it's crazy. All right? But finally, Isaac is born, this baby boy that she actually had in her womb and carried for the nine months. And he was born in this fulfillment of this covenant. And God says, why did you doubt me? I told you. Just, you had to have faith in me. But they waited 25 years. And so then after this, there's more drama between Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. As, the, as Isaac starts to grow, there becomes tension again. And so much so that finally Sarah says, I want her out. I want, the, I want them out. Just get them. And so Abraham kind of has to let them go. It's a very awkward scene. But God promises Hagar and Ishmael, I hadn't forgot about you. All this drama that y'all concocted, I'm going to take care of this but it's not going to thwart my plan because I'm in control. And then Abraham at some point is tested when he says, God says, hey, I want you to take that son that it took you all 25 years of waiting to have, and I want you to take him and sacrifice him. 
This is one of the most disturbing passages in the whole Bible. I'm just going, what in the world? Why would you do that? Why would you say that? And then what's, I don't know, more disturbing is that Abraham goes, okay. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, and I'm, that's not really funny because I'm sure he didn't just go, okay. He had that kind of faith in God, but he's going the whole time. Can you imagine as he's stacking that wood on the donkey? My God, what have you asked me to do? We just waited, and I, we, we have never been happy in our lives. Our marriage has never been better. Everything is great. Isaac has brought just this and, and, and reflected these promises. You said, oh God, I don't know what you're doing. He just packs it up. Let's go, son. What are we going to do, Dad? Oh, we're going to go make a sacrifice. And ultimately, he comes to that point where he has to tie his son down and raise that knife. And at the last minute, God goes, no, just seeing if you were going to be faithful. And now I know. But still, God and Abraham are good. But Abraham and Isaac, next time he wants to go on a road trip, no, Dad, I'm good. I'm not going. I'm not going with you. Me and Mom are good back here at the house. And I know we laugh, but I just go, what a traumatic, dramatic thing that that God had called him to do in his life. What did all that mean? And then ultimately when you think about how God would ultimately save the world, and then it wouldn't stop. Jesus, the nails didn't stop. He didn't get pulled off the cross till after he was dead. And God had a bigger picture that even Abraham and Sarah couldn't quite see. But ultimately we know that Sarah would die and Abraham would die. But before Abraham died, he was able to, through a servant, get a son for Isaac, and he was a part of that. But as I think about that whole narrative of, of Abraham, Abram, Sarah, and Sarah, there was this pattern of waiting for what God has next. And it was a long wait, 25 years. Part of the calling we see throughout the characters in the Bible is this waiting, waiting for what God is going to do next, waiting for God to show up and do what he does. Along the way, we see some of the characters um, are able to wait. And they said, I'm just being patient what God wants me to do. But many do not. They become impatient. They try to force um, God's hand or do something on their own to get God's attention or go, God, I, I get it, you're busy, so we'll just make this work with Hagar the handmaid and it'll all work out. No. And they do, and they, they try to even operate as maybe God's not paying attention or, or God forgot to finish the project, and they need to step in. And we do that too, don't we? Oh, God's busy with all that mess with, you know, over there in the Middle East or, or between China and the United States. He doesn't have time for my little thing, what's going on with me and my kids or me and my wife or me at school. And No, God does know all that stuff. But Abraham's calling was specific. He experienced a lot of waiting. He failed on some occasions. We know he lied and he failed. But also on many occasions he succeeded in having unbelievable faith in what God had promised him. But overall he placed his faith in what God was going to do in the promise and the covenant that he made with him and reminded him over and over and over again. And it tells us in Genesis 15 that God credited him that as righteousness when he believed God and did what God said. So as we talk about our calling in life, what is going on in your life? What is going on in my life right now that God may be calling us to? You think about that girl I talked about earlier who was called to do something about those kids that wear the same clothes every day. 
Maybe you're in a, a frustrated holding pattern right now. You know, I thought I heard God tell me to do this, but it just doesn't seem to be happening, and I, I don't seem to be hearing anything from God, and I, I just don't know. I'm sure there's probably some of you like that here today. You thought, God, that I thought you were clear on that, but why is this happening if that's what it is and you're not sure? But I believe God works through the everyday mundane things, and he doesn't work on our timetable and our time frame. He works differently than that. And I believe God calls us to be his image bearers in everyday things, even the mundane things and little things and big things. But sometimes God asks us to leave something behind for something better he has planned for us. And that's what he did in Abram's case, in Abraham's case. And are we willing to do that to see God's promises and power be a reality in our life? Are we, are we okay with saying, I'm going to have to leave some of this behind? Or are we grasping hold of, of some things in our lives right now? Well, I'm not letting go of that. God can ask me to do whatever, but I'm not letting go of that. Just not doing it. And it may not be your country. It may not be land or family like it was for Abraham. I think about some of our missionaries, what they had to leave. I think about Martha Wade, who in New Guinea left when she was a young lady, never got, never got married, forsake all that, her family, everything in the United States to go to a jungle and bring the word of God to those people. Amazing. Maybe God's calling us to leave something in our lives right now today. Maybe it's a lifestyle that you know that you're involved in and you know it's been destructive and you've been prideful about that and you don't want to leave it, but you know in order to get closer to God and get to where God wants you to be, you need to leave that lifestyle. And it's not easy, but maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe God's calling you to leave a certain school or a job or a career. I don't know what that is, but he wants you to do that and maybe he's leading you in that direction. I don't know. Maybe it's a group of friends or, or a group of people or, or a specific relationship that you're associated with that has just been beating you down and has been destructive and you know you need to leave that but you just keep hanging on because you don't know what to do. And maybe God's calling you to leave that. Maybe it's a habit or an addiction that you're in denial about. Oh, I can stop anytime I want. But you find yourself in it over and over and over again and maybe God's calling you to leave that. Maybe God's calling us to leave something that consumes all of our time, but is really not our calling. You know what God's called you to do, and because you're a little awkward or uncomfortable with doing what God's called you to do, you're doing all this other stuff, and it consumes your time, and it kind of distracts you from what God's really called you to do. Maybe you need to leave that and go to the calling that God's called you to. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know. I can't make that decision. That's between you and God. But I do believe God's calling all of us in some point of our life, to leave something, to get to something better that he's called us to. And we've got to be like Abraham, willing to leave that. Abraham had a lot of personal encounters with God because he was open to God's promises. He didn't go, you got the wrong guy, I'm 75 and barren. That's not going to work. Pick somebody else. No, he goes, okay, I'm going to leave all that. Let's, let's try it. He left the old way behind and he moved out in faith. And what's really interesting thing as I think about the biblical narrative about Abraham and others on several occasions, you know, Abraham tried to do things his own way, and it didn't work out real well, did it? It was kind of crazy. But there were consequences for that, and sometimes they weren't the most desirable. But ultimately, they did not mess up God's plan. The guy goes, oh, what would you do that for? It's not going to stop what I was doing all along. I'm still going to roll on. And he didn't give up. We have a great opportunity to be a part of God's plan, but ultimately, we cannot obstruct God's plan. 
We think there's nothing you can do that's going to stop God's plan. Do y'all realize that? I think sometimes we go, I've messed up and I can't get back. No. God's love is so much more powerful than you. His salvation that he brought through Christ is more powerful than anything we think we can do to mess up something. It's not possible. God's so much more powerful than that. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just wait for God's next step and continue to do and be the best at what we're doing right now. And I know some of you may not want to hear that this morning, but sometimes it's just being the best you can be. Maybe being the best father right now. Nothing else. Just be the best father you can be, the best husband you can be, the best son, the best brother, the best wife, the best mother, the best sister, the best daughter. Nothing else. We just say, I'm going to be the best I can do doing that. I don't know what else God has for me that I'm going to do that. Maybe he's calling you to be, uh, you know, the best leader where you are, the best manager, the best teacher. I want another job, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to still be the best I can be at this job till he calls me to something else. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the best worker, the best servant, the best volunteer. I don't want to keep serving here. I don't want to keep volunteering here. I don't want to keep working here. I was talking to somebody in the first service about their job, and we were laughing. It's like, is that really something you want to do the rest of your life? And he said, no. I said, but I bet you're learning that through doing this job, right? He goes, yes. You're learning valuable lessons, and maybe that's what he's called you to be, the best that you can be right there. Maybe you can be the best student right now, the best teammate, the best learner. God's calling you right where you are just to do that. Wherever I am in the process of my calling, wherever I am in doing those good things that God's created for me to do, I need to do them the best of my ability. Because maybe God's just doing a little test on me to see if I'll do the little things. Remember, Jesus says, hey, if you are faithful in the little things, God will give you something bigger as, as you go along. And I hope that we don't let our impatience or others' impatience or, or others' timetables or agenda allow us to get away from what God has called us to do in the moment. I know the calling I got. And people are saying, well, I don't know about that. And again, other people are not going to know your calling. But you know what? You're going to know your calling. And you have to respond to that. And I believe that God, as he did with Abraham over and over again, he's like, I forgot about that. He kept working things, working things. Even when it didn't seem like it worked, he worked. Say, hey, no, I haven't forgot. You are going to be. And here we are. I don't know how many thousands of years it is, and we're still talking about Father Abraham. Because it happened, y'all. We are a blessing because Abraham was blessed. We're hearing Abraham's story because God blessed him. And I think about it. I remember at camp saying, Father Abraham. Y'all remember that had many sons, all that? And how fun that was. Because Abraham's laughing in heaven going, this is awesome. You weren't lying, God. You said I would be a blessing, and here it is, 2019, and people are still singing my song. This is awesome. People are still being blessed, and they are. So today I just ask this simple question. What do you need to leave today to start pursuing what God is really calling you to? And I mentioned this last week, and I'll say it again. Some of us are playing a game of coming to church and we just listen and we, and we just, you know, we kind of do what we do in this block, this hour, hour and 15. And then we go back out and it's not really a real thing with God. And God goes, man, I want it to be a real thing. I want it to be a real thing every day. I want to hear what's going on in your life. I really want to take you every step of the way and, and lead you into this calling that I've created you for. But when you're so distracted by your phone or your computer or your work or, or whatever it is that's distracting you and you don't, Give me time. I, I, can't, I can't help you. It's not going to thwart my overall plan, but man, I want you to be a part of that plan. That's why I created you. 
So get on board. Get on board. So this morning, what do you need to leave? So we're going to offer an invitation. I know we're going to sing a song. And the guys are going to come up here and lead us in that. But maybe there's something that God's calling you to leave. I don't know what that is. But the first step is saying, I've got to leave my way and I've got to go God's way. So we're going to offer that invitation to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior and submit to his way now instead of your way. Or maybe somebody needs to come up here and kneel on the steps. I've seen some of y'all do that. Man, I love to see people do that just privately going, God, i got something I need to talk to you about. And you can come and do that at this time too. Or maybe you're looking for a church home where we don't have it all figured out, but we try to look at God's word and say, God has called us. He's called us to be a blessing in this world to other people. And when you know what your calling is and you have a family that is encouraging you to keep after that calling, we can do that together. We can be there for each other. And this church has been and will be, and we want to continue to do that. So maybe you're looking for a church home like that. So we're going to, Nina's going to lead us in a, in a song. And so let's stand. If you have a decision, just come right here. If you need to pray, just come up here and pray. That'll be fine too. <clears throat>